0: My Jesus people at, Jesus people, <laughs> oh, wow, I like that, hey, if you're new here and you want to be a Jesus person, you can go back on the YouTube and, uh, man, catch up in this series, but we're in a series called Jesus People, man, and, uh, I want to be known as a Jesus person, I want people to see me as a dad and go, dude, that, that, that's a Jesus person, I want the way I uh, love my wife and serve my wife, I want them to be like, man, he, he's a Jesus person in my neighborhood, I'm at the pool, like anywhere I go, I want people to go like, yeah, that's, that's a Jesus person, and that's the context of our series of us, you and I, our church, man. We, we want to be Jesus people. We, we want when people see us, they go, man, there's, there's something different. There, there's, there's something odd. There's, there's something going on in their marriage, in their life, in their singleness that, that's attracting me to them. And, and the answer for us, the answer for you is, is, is hopefully because you're, you're a Jesus person. And, and today we get to talk about how Jesus people, they, they courageously go. It's one of our core values as a church. And today is the International Day of the Unreached. And to define kind of an unreached people, it's, identify, it's an identifiable group of people distinguished by distinct culture, language, social class, but lack community of Christians to spread the gospel in that place. And just like Sean said, there's Christians all around the world. There's non-believers all around the world. And then there's a pocket of people who have never heard the gospel before. There's no church. There's no missionary. There's no Bible in their language. And these people are unreached. Now many of us, or all of us, we're reached people. We have churches that we can go to. We have people that we can ask religious questions. We have a Bible in our, in our language. And so just to kind of show a picture of that, I need some participation today. Um, how many of you guys in this room from zero to 10, that's when you gave your life to Jesus? Raise your hand. Cool, cool, zero to 10. Awesome, awesome. 10 to 20. Look around the room. This, this, is, this is great. 20 to 30. Come on. 30 to 40. You got there. Let's go. 40 to 50. Incredible. Anybody over 50, they're like, that's amazing. That's amazing. Like, these are reached people. These, these are followers of Jesus. Anybody trust me enough, trust this space enough to go like, hey, I'm not a believer yet. Like I'm here seeking. I'm, I'm here searching. Like I, I'm looking around. And maybe that's you online. But, but the reality of the story that I'm going to unravel today is whether you're reached, whether you follow Jesus, whether you've given your life to Jesus, or, or maybe you're still just trying to check these things out. Every single one of us are a part of this story. Every single one of us. And this story changes everything. This story changes everything about your life. This story changes everything about your perspective. This story changes everything about the decisions you're going to make. This story changes everything. If you have your phone, you can take it out. You can take notes on your phone. You can take pictures of the screen. And I'm actually going to send you to Amazon right now and to maybe purchase a book to kind of help uh, with my story. But but Nick Ripkin wrote a book called The Insanity of God. There's a a picture on the screen. You can go to Amazon and buy it. If if you have no idea about unreached people and what God's doing in other countries and, and other Christians in other places, you can go and you can purchase that online. Some of my high school guys, you've read this book, Right? Come on, y'all are on it. Um, but this book is, is incredible. Nick Ripkin, there's a story where he's in China, and he's talking to some Chinese Christians, so he kind of kind of weaved his way in, into this, this this spot where there's uh, Chinese Christian men, Chinese Christian women, Chinese uh, Christian children, and he gathers around and all these Chinese Christians who, who were being persecuted throughout the time, persecuting, meaning maybe they were, they were dragged out, maybe they were killed, maybe they were taken away from their home, maybe they were um, let go of their jobs because of what they believed, but, but they've were, they were, uh, been treated badly and poorly, these, these persecuted Christians. They, they gather around this missionary, a guy named Nick, and they ask him this question. They say, hey, hey, Does any other country know about Jesus, or is it just our country? Do do other countries around the world, do they know about Jesus, or is it just our people? And and Nick, being just astonished, he's like, no, there's there's actually millions of Christians. There's, There's millions of believers. And even back in my country, in America, there are thousands, if not millions, of Christians praying for you, Christians in China. And they, they were blown away. They're looking around at each other going, like, is this, is this so? Is there actually people praying for us? And they were they were filled with hope. They, 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 were, they, were, they were filled with love and, and knowing that the local church has gathered all around them. And then one guy raised his hand, and, and he goes, well, are there other Christians being persecuted? Is it just us, or are there other Christians being persecuted? And Nick begins to tell two stories of Christian groups and Islam countries that, that have been murdered and persecuted for their faith. And the book that says that the Chinese Christians, they, they just become silent. Their, their hearts full of despair. They, they, they didn't even know what to do. And so Nick just kind of shut the meeting down and overwhelmed, he just went to bed. Church, I got a question just right off the top. When, when is the last time you thought about believers or non-believers in other countries? When is the last time you had conversation around the dinner table, the family text thread, acknowledging that there's people in other areas of the world that have no idea who Jesus is? There are hundreds of thousands of people that die every day not knowing who Jesus is, never hearing about the name of Jesus, There are 10 to 20 uh, persecuted Christians that die every day. By the time we got to bed tonight, 20 Christians would have died for their faith, for standing up in maybe a house and proclaiming the Bible. When is the last time you and I had a conversation about that? Some of you in this room, you're like, Ron, I brought a friend. Like, tell a joke. Do something funny. Like, this is heavy. And it, it is, man. As I've been preparing this week, I've just been burdened and I'm not mad. I'm not angry. But, like, part of me, I'm looking back at my life and go, like, Man, am I doing it? Like, I, I care about my family. I care about teaching my kids how to ride a bike. I, I care about my marriage and, and, and my job and, and my bills. But, like, when is the last time I've considered those persecuted Christians around me? And this message woke me up today. And my hope and my prayer is that you wake up today. Maybe you're just unaware. Maybe you've pushed it aside. But maybe God will speak something different into our lives. If you have your Bible... Let's jump into Matthew 28. Jesus is on the scene. He had died for us. He rose from the grave. He's talking to his uh, followers and he gives this mission in Matthew 28 called the Great Commission. It says, uh, and then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus is like, hey, I I just died. I rose from the grave. Like, I have all authority. Nobody's more powerful than me. Nobody's going to say something better than me. Nobody's going to lead stronger than me. All authority is uh, given to me. And he goes, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Are you ever afraid that Jesus has left you? Are you ever scared that Jesus won't be beside you? Like, like this promise says says God himself, Jesus himself will always be beside you. But our mission is is to go. If you have a highlighter, if you want to highlight the version app, if you like to take notes, I want you to write down these three words, go all nations. This is clear. This, this, this is a command. This isn't just like an invite. This is Jesus telling us to go. So we, we are called to courageously go. The legacy of Christianity hinges on this verse. But the story of this pursuit of people started thousands of years before Jesus spoke it. I'm going to spend the next 10 or 12 minutes walking you through the history of God being for the nations. I'm going to spend 10 minutes or so kind of giving you this, maybe some tangible next steps so we're just not caught, convicted, and not knowing what to do. And then I'll end our time together. It starts in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. Most of you guys know the story that God created Adam and Eve and everything was great. Uh, there was food without gluttony. There was relationship without discord. There, there, there was sex without lust. Like everything was perfect in the garden and Adam and Eve chose to sin. And because of the sin, it separated us from God and Adam and Eve were banished from the garden. And they, were, they, were, they populated the earth. Murder happened instantly after their sin entered into the world. Years passed and the world got bad, like, like really bad. Like, like, people were doing horrible things, and God instructed Noah, remember the story, to kind of build a huge boat and gather him and his family in, and, and, and he saved Noah and his family. Any parents in the room that read Noah's Ark, the story of Noah, to your, your kids before they go to bed? Yeah, do you tell them the full story? Like, hey, there's this God, and he saved these people, but then everybody else died. Good night, sweet dreams. Like, I mean, it was just this wild scene. And then Noah, Noah, Noah and his family steps back into the world, and there's just, there's just one language, There's just one nation. There's just one family. There's just one people group. And these these people, they start building a tower called the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11. Where they're trying to build a building to go reach God because they wanted to manipulate God and control God. And they wanted to do it all on their own. You've heard the story. And God in heaven is like, really, people? Like, what are we, what are we doing here? And, and God strikes the people in mass confusion. And people had different uh, languages. And, and people began to, to look different. And pe- people, like, spread all across the world. And, and this is the moment. Like, 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 when God created Adam and Eve, like, the, in, the intent was one people, one language, one nation. But it was our sin. It, it, it was our pride. It was our control that, that got us to a point of different languages. And at this moment, the whole world is interrupted. But in Genesis chapter 12, just a chapter after the tower, the Lord speaks to Abram, eventually Abraham. And he tells Abram, "'Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and who dishonors you I will curse.'" And in you, all the families, you can underline that, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. There was this mission from God. God just didn't disrupt the people and said, hey guys, go figure it out. He disrupted the people. Then he came down to one dude and said, here's your mission. Because of you and because of your going, you are going to, to, to bring in all the nations. In Genesis chapter 26, verse 4, He passes the promise down to Isaac, Abraham's son. It says, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and will give to your offspring all these lands and in your offspring all the nations of the earth. Shall be blessed. Now, now, this word "nations" is "ethnos." This isn't uh, back in Abraham's time. There weren't these lines that divided all nations like there are today. These nations are different ethnicities, different people groups, different languages, different tribes. This isn't just like cool. God has to go into every nation. Cool, check mark done. It's every people group, every ethnic group, every tribe. Every language. In in Genesis chapter 28, we see it passed down to Jacob. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I had promised with you. One of the main reasons I began to follow Jesus was this concept, this belief, this promise that God will never leave me. He's never going to leave me. I'm not going to out God and, like, him leave me. It's not like he's going to punish me. But God's never going to leave me. And one of the biggest barriers that maybe you and I we place in our lives sometimes when we consider going, going to our neighbor, going to send a text, going overseas, going with our family, one of the biggest barriers is, like, I'm going alone. I don't know what to say. But from the beginning, Jesus, God, he's going, hey, look, I'm going to be with you Forever. In Genesis chapter 37, Joseph goes to Egypt and he ends up saving Egypt and saving the, the Israelites, the, Dru- the the Jews, to start growing exponentially. In Exodus 3, we see that, that God uses Moses um, to fulfill the covenant that he gave Abraham. In Deuteronomy 4, the Ten Commandments. Aren't you glad we don't live by those rules anymore? But the reason that God gave Moses the Ten Commandments wasn't just to have a set of rules, but he wanted to set apart God's people for who? For the nations. The Ten Commandments, they weren't just a bunch of rules you had to follow, but God was setting up our response and our life for the nations. The book of Psalms is full of pleas to the nations. In Amos chapter 9, verse 12, God told the nation of Israel that God loved all nations, not just them. This was a shocker. This would be like sitting your family down, like me sitting my three kids down, Riley, Bradley, and Carly, 7, 4, and 3, and go, hey, hey, daddy loves you. But, but Daddy also loves the Smith family, the Jackson family, the Brown family. Like, he loves all families. And they're going like, what? The Jews are like, are you kidding me? It's just, what? You, you love everyone? It's not just us. God say, man, I love all the nations. And then we, we see all throughout the scriptures of the Old Testament, there's over 500 mentions of nations throughout the Bible. God's going, man, I love the nations. I'm for the nations. I'm praying for the nations. I'm sending you to the nations. I want all nations to be a part. I want all people to be a part. There's nobody I'm going to exclude. There's nobody I'm going to ignore. Like you and my people, you need to go so all nations can gather together. In the New Testament, we see Jesus. He, he walks onto the scene in Mark chapter 11. You remember the scene where Jesus like throws over tables and he makes a whip and he goes all wild uh, on, on the scene. but we see this in Mark 11:17. Jesus goes, "Is it not written, "My house shall be called a house of prayer?" Most of us stop there. For who? For all the nations, For everyone. For your neighbor, for the people who don't look like you, the, the people you resent. The people you are frustrated with? For all nations. In Matthew 24, 14, it says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Any of you guys ever have conversations about the end of time? I remember my dad and I would have conversations when I was younger, and I'm like, Dad, when is Jesus coming back? As believers, we believe that, that, that Jesus, He came, He died, He rose again, but, but Jesus is gonna come back and rescue all believers. It's called the rapture, it's called the second coming. And we, my dad and I would talk about this, and my dad's like, Surely, Ryan, in, in your age, by the time you die, Jesus is coming back, because the world's getting bad. I mean, the world is evil, we see it, right? I mean, I'm scared to death of my kids, seven, four, and three, raising up in this world. Like, I'm praying Jesus comes back. I was having a conversation with my seven year old daughter Riley about my sermon this week. I don't know if that's good or bad, but we were talking about it. And uh, she goes, What, Dad? Jesus is coming back? And I'm like, Well, yes, he is. And she goes, Well, is he going to come back before I get married? And I'm like, Woman? Like, what? Go to your room. Like, go, what What are you doing? Like, I hope so. Like, I, I'm praying for that. Like, you're seven. Like, I. I and, and, but we're talking about Jesus coming back. And the scripture says this. Jesus isn't coming back until he's proclaimed to all the nations. And to be honest, life here is awesome. You guys are amazing. Ashley, I love being your husband, but I want to be in heaven. Like I want to be there with my Savior. I want to be there with no more hurt, no more death, no more shame, no more anxiety. I want to be there. And Jesus says, hey, I'm not coming back until all the nations here. So every tribe every tongue. I think if you've been a Christian for a while, maybe you've had conversations about Jesus coming back, and maybe you've had more conversations about the second coming of Jesus, not knowing that a third of our world doesn't even know about the first coming of Jesus. A third of our world has never even known or been spoken to about Jesus. And Jesus is like, man, I'm not coming back until this happens. Galatians 3, verses 7-9, through it says, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. This is the New Testament talking about the promise back to Abraham. And it says in the scripture, For seeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. This is important. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So then... Those of you who follow Jesus, you're blessed. And I get that this week might have been tough. This year might have been crazy. Your life may be absurd, but like you are blessed if you follow Jesus. I'm not telling you this. I'm not trying to inspire you to believe it. This is the word of God going because of Abraham and his obedience and because of you now following Jesus, you are entered into the blessing of these families. And so... Galatians tells us it places you and I, whether you're a believer or follower of Jesus or don't know yet, like you and I are placed in the middle of this story. The the story of thousands of years ago, starting with Abraham. And then in Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, it says, And they sang a new song. Saying, worthy are you, talking about Jesus, to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, Jesus was slain, and by his blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Is Jesus a liar? If he's not a liar, then in heaven one day people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation will be surrounding him and worshiping him. Revelation 7-9, you hanging with me? It says, after this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number. Like There's going to be so many believers in heaven. It's going to be ridiculous. Like We're not going to be able to count. It's going to be a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Men and women, every tribe. Every tongue, every nation, and you and I are here because of generations before us going and sharing the gospel. One day in heaven, every tribe, every tongue, every every look, every different person in heaven praising Jesus. Are you convinced? Are you convinced that God loves the nations, that he's for the nations, and that he wants to use you to accomplish his mission to save the nations? Well, what do we do? In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Luke writes this. It says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's an and, not then. Many of us, we read this Acts uh, verse and we go, cool, cool, we're going to do Jerusalem, which is like my city, my neighborhood, my work. We're going to stay there. And once I accomplish the mission there, then maybe I'll go to my state, Judea. And then if I, if I feel like I'm pretty good there, I'm going to go to Samaria, which is people who, who act different than me, that look different than me. I'm, I'm going I'm to go there. And then if I graduate from there, then I'll go to the ends of the earth. That's not what the scripture is asking us to do. The scripture is asking us to, to, to and, to do it and. And the interesting thing is he's, he, he Luke's uh, writing to Christians in Jerusalem. He's writing to Christians in Jerusalem. And he's going, hey, this, this is our mission. Just start here and then go to the nations. So, so look right at me. We're the nations. You and I, like, we're the nations. Jesus didn't come to America Jesus didn't start in Milton. J- Jesus was born and raised thousands of miles away from here. Check out this, this map of Jerusalem. In Ezekiel 5.5, uh, five, you don't have to put the, the verse on the screen, but Ezekiel says, Thus says the Lord, this is Jerusalem. I have set her in the center of the nations with countries all around her. Jesus where the star is Jesus was born there like like his people did, didn't didn't move far away from there until years later but 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 somehow Christianity got all the way to us the, the nations and if the Christianity got to us if God and his people ran after us if God and his people like flew uh boated uh, who knows how got over to our land to rescue us like Shouldn't we kind of give them a little kick back and go after other nations too? It was because of early Christians like really looking at this going, man, I want the whole world to know. I want all people groups to know. I want everyone to know. And they somehow got here. If you're a Christian, which most of you guys are because you raised your hand earlier today, you and I were set on mission. Acts said that you will receive power. When you, give it, when you gave your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit entered into you and gave you power. And the Holy Spirit didn't just come for the Pentecostals. The Holy Spirit came for the children of God. And the Holy Spirit is in you. It's his power. It's his words. It's your obedience. But, but, but then God and the Holy Spirit does, does all the rest. It says, in, in Jerusalem... That's your city in Judea, the stay in the ends of the earth. And then there's these unreached people. These people who have never heard about Jesus. You heard it from Sean. There's a third of people who would say that have given their life to Jesus, who follow Jesus. There's a third of people who have rejected Jesus. I'm out. I'm done. I don't want to do it. And there's a third of people going, who is Jesus? And this is massively important. Because what we know through scripture is that the only way to heaven, the the only way to have a a full relationship with Jesus for eternity is, is believing that Jesus is the Savior of the world. And if people don't know that he is, can they live in eternity with him? Well, according to the Bible, they have to believe in Jesus and what we see in Scripture in the New Testament that most of the ways that, that people convert to Christianity is through people telling them about it now there, there are some, some, some uh, different scenarios and And moments throughout scripture, like uh, Acts 9, when when Jesus, like, comes down from heaven and, like, you know, blinds Saul who turns into Paul and, like, Paul converts. Like, there's moments like that. And we have to trust that the earth will cry out, that, that people will somehow see Jesus in other ways. But the primary way of people knowing and following Jesus is through the word of mouth, through you and I telling people. A third of the people. 30 of you guys, you're saved. Congratulations. 30 of you guys have rejected. I'm sorry. A third of you guys have no idea. A third, a third, a third. I have a couple of pictures to show of what on, uh, what our map looks like for unreached people. Uh, there's this, the first one of um, there's there's green where uh, there's churches, there's missionaries, there's Bibles, there's there's orange. Uh, which is like, ah, they're, they're kind of there, but a little bit of everywhere. And then there's red. There's, there's nothing. There's nothing. There's no believers. There's no missionaries. The Bible's not in their language. So they're less than 1% believer. Uh, 95% of, of unreached people live in the 1040 window. It's another picture on the screen. 95% of these unreached people live there. Millions of people. Billions of people who have no idea. You may be going, Ryan, this is, this is just crazy. Like you're, you're, I don't know what you're doing up here, but um, I'm not gonna go over there. That's, I, I can't, I can't. There's unreached people in my neighborhood. There's unreached people in my office. There's unreached people in my family. And the answer is no, there's not. They, they have you. They, they have you. We're not talking about people who are just kind of, uh, they, they have, they have you. And these people overseas, these people who have no idea, need us. One of these unreached people groups are in northern Thailand. There's an app that you can download on your phone called Unreached of the Day. That you can actually look uh, at unreached people groups. You can pray for unreached people groups. But 0.4% of northern Thai in Thailand are Christian. Their population is 7,577. Someone do the math. Like, that's, that's not a lot. Millions of men and women and kids in Thailand have no clue of who Jesus is. But, but we can do it. We have to go for it. We have to be willing to do whatever it takes. We can't turn a deaf ear. We know, we know what to do. And I'm not, I'm not trying to manipulate you or convict you or shame you. But... But what I'm hoping is that maybe God stirs something in you to do something. There's a couple of things that I suggest that you do. One, you can commit to pray. If you have the Sharpie, maybe put the lines on your hand just out of obedience from what Sean asked you to do earlier. Uh, But maybe you want to grab the Sharpie and go, okay, cool. Like I'm going to commit to pray for the third of those who have never heard the gospel Maybe an idea for you is to grab your phone and set an alarm for 1040 to pray for those unreached people groups in the 1040 window. Maybe you're a morning person, maybe you're a night person, but maybe you'll commit to pray. Uh, Maybe God's stirring something in you, and you're going, man, I'm I'm actually considering to go. One of our families in our church, the Jackson family, they're going to be moving their family of six to Thailand in August. And this is an extraordinary family of ordinary people who have kids. You're going to see them in a second. But who who are uprooting their lives and moving to Thailand to reach unreached people. I, I asked them as I was talking to them this week, I was like, what in the world are you doing? Like this isn't the retirement plan. Uh, this, this isn't a, a vacation, but this is an all-out conviction. Like, why would you move your wife and your four kids to a place of persecuted Christians in a place that you've never been before? And, and so, so he, wrote, he wrote me a letter. They wrote me a letter, and I want to read a, a piece of it to you. They write this. They said, in, in 2018, we were invited to participate in a class called Perspectives on the World Christian Movement, a 15-lesson course that addresses the biblical, historical, cultural, and strategic dimensions of God's global purpose. Shortly after the completion of the course, we, we started praying as a family about spending a year's overseas. Real quick, what, what are you praying as a family? Like, what was your family praying for? He said, specifically in a place that had little or no access to the gospel, through relationships and previous support with church planning initiatives, we decided to network with some ministry leaders to help us move to a city in East Asia. Our plan was to spend the 2020-21 uh, school year they're serving, learning from organizations in the field and coming alongside them as they tried to reach unreached people groups near the area. And then COVID. After continued prayer and networking, we decided to start looking at another country. And in 2021, we decided to pursue going to Chiang Mai, Thailand, and Lord willing, we'll be moving there in early August 2022 for a year with the same goal, to learn, serve, and come alongside leaders who are reaching people who have never heard the gospel. Their family writes this, please pray for us. Pray for our safety of our family during our time there, discernment as we learn, and opportunities for us to humbly serve. Pray for protection and boldness over the ministry leaders, and pray for the people in hard-to-reach places near there who have never heard the name of Jesus. We once heard someone say, instead of asking God, what is your will for my life? Perhaps a better way to ask that question is, God, what is your will in the world and how can I align my life with that? We know that through God's word, that his will is for his lost children to be found. Our prayer is that you will ask that same question individually, as a family, as a body of believers reaching the lost and making disciples in Alpharetta, Georgia, and all over the United States and all over the world. Thank you. Hey, Chad, Carlin, McKenna, Caleb, Daniel, and Addie, will you guys come up here on stage? We're gonna have some of our staff join you as well, and we're just gonna have this moment of prayer for them. I mean, this is crazy. <laughs> you guys are nuts. But but you're you're obeying the call that God has given you. You're obeying going from here over there. And nobody told them to do it. They they just responded to God. So I'm proud of you guys. I know and believe that every single one of you on stage, from the youngest one to the oldest one, that you guys are going to have an impact. And people are going to turn and follow Jesus because of the way you live. Because how you love your siblings, uh, how you love your wife, and how you support your husband. Like, like lives are going to be changed because of you guys. And so I want to pray over them. And as we pray, is, we do this in the staff all the time, we'll lay hands on them. I'm going to pray out loud. The staff's going to pray out loud. Uh, if you're able and willing to pray out loud in your seats, we would love and covet all the prayers. Can we pray for you guys? Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for. This family I thank you for their obedience and I pray Jesus right now you keep them safe I pray Jesus that that you light the path so bright in front of them they know where to walk where to stand where to go I pray Jesus that every single one every person in this family will will be able to engage in relationships at school in the market with their neighbors and I pray Jesus that 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 people see that they're Jesus people I pray that this isn't just a time away, but a time to pursue those who are lost and far from you. I pray you'll give them confidence. I pray you'll give them the relationships needed. And I pray, Jesus, for the stories that we're going to hear and be a part of because of this family's obedience. I love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Hey, I love you guys. Can't wait to hear the stories of what God's going to do in and through you. Yeah, y'all give it up for the Jackson family. one of the unique blessings from covid is that uh, many of us can work remote and so uh, a challenge f- for you is is maybe a prayer for you and your family is that maybe you pray throughout this next year of maybe next summer dads moms you ask you start having conversations with your organization about working remote for the summer and moving overseas somewhere to help engage with the unreached you can go uh, you can go to Belgium. We have a partnership in Belgium that we're going to take trips to this year. Uh, less than 1% of Belgians are Christians. So that's why we're going. And they have cheap beer. So you can sign up for that one. We, we have our Compassion Church in Chinedego Nicaragua. Uh, we, we have Envision Atlanta in Clarkston just, just 45 minutes from here. That all nations, all people groups, all tribes that we can go and be a part of. You remember the... Chinese Christians and the insanity of God. As Nick Ripken fell asleep that night, he, he woke up the next morning with these Chinese Christians wailing, screaming. He, he was a little nervous and scared going, oh, is this, is this, is this going to be the moment where maybe they're persecuted or they're pulled from their homes. And he turned to his translator and he goes, what's, what's going on? And the translator goes, Nick, 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 you just got to be quiet. And he opens his doors, and as he walked out, he sees hundreds of Chinese Christians praying, pulling their hair, sobbing. And Nick goes, what, what, is, what is happening? What are you, what are you doing? And, and the translator goes, just, just be quiet. And as Nick walked through the Chinese people, he heard of the two Islamic countries that, that Nick had mentioned the night before, the persecuted Christians living there. And the translator looked at him and goes, hey, these Christians, these Chinese men and women have committed to wake up an hour early to whenever it takes to pray for those persecuted Christians in other countries. Church, I don't want to tell you what to do, but I would love for you to respond to what God's asking you, what God's calling you to do. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for this place. I thank you so much for these people. I pray, Jesus, for those who maybe they feel like they're unreached in this room. And I pray, Jesus, that they want to follow you today. That they make an obedient plea to you of saying something like this. Hey, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want you to rule my life. I want you to be beside me forever. I believe you're the Messiah. I believe you're the Savior. I want to follow you all of my days. And if you prayed that prayer, if you spoke that to God today, what... What we say is that you've entered into salvation, into relationship with Jesus. And just to mark that moment, if you did that for the first time today, we we want you to raise your hand on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Jesus, thank you for this people. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your pursuit of me, for us. And I pray, Jesus, we will be obedient to whatever you're calling us to do. In Jesus' name, everybody said